Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Anybody need a copy of the notes? Raise your hand if you'd like a copy of the notes. I'm not guarantee I'm going to stick to them, but we'll do our best. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word tonight. And we do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus. We invite your spirit to be our teacher and guide, to give us ears anointed to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are open. Change us by what we hear tonight from glory to glory. Build within us your very life. Thank you for the life of Christ manifesting in each and every one of us, conforming us to his very image and likeness is the heart desire of each and every one of us here tonight, that we may shine as lights in the world of darkness and hold forth the word of life to this generation and reach out as shining lights, praise God, that they may see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven, that we may point them to your saving grace and to the cross of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, be blessed in all that is said and done in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. You know, often recorded in the Bible here, we see prayers that others have prayed. And as we look at those prayers and study those prayers, what we do is we learn how to pray, and also we can learn what to pray for. Now, last week we talked about the Apostle Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, his first prayer, and what he prayed for was enlightenment, for them to be enlightened concerning certain biblical truths. To know the hope of their calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power to them who believe, the power he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. So we discussed that. So Paul was praying for the church, for them to be enlightened, to have this understanding. Paul could have prayed many, many different things, but this is recorded specifically let us know what to pray for and how to pray. And so in other words, if that prayer was answered, they would have a revelation that they need to have of God in order for them to succeed in fulfilling the purpose that God had for their lives. It would behoove all of us to look at that prayer and pray it for ourselves and also pray for others. But then in chapter 3, he prays another prayer, and this prayer is for empowerment. So the first one was for them to be enlightened. This is for them to be empowered. And what we're going to do is we're going to study that prayer tonight. But first, we're going to read through the scriptures and read the prayer to you. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at all my tribulations for you, which is for your glory, which is your glory. Now notice, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth of height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according unto the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now there's his prayer. Notice where he begins his prayer on his knees. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Wouldn't that be something just to follow that pattern and just say, I'm bowing my knees unto you, Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would grant me, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your spirit in my inner man. The first thing we're going to look at is the petition. Number one, the petition. The petition is for what? Spiritual strength within. Look at that verse 16 again that he would grant you, this is his prayer request, his petition, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That is the petition. That's the focus of his prayer. That's what he's longing to have them experience, for them to experience in their lives. Notice he's not saying, well, I'm praying for you to have a better life, a better car, a better house, a better this, or a better that. I'm praying that you are strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Hallelujah. I know that's what he's praying for. Number one, he said it, but look at verse 13 again. Notice what he says in verse 13. You'll miss it. If you don't see this verse, you'll miss it. Look at verse 13, Ephesians 3.13. Wherefore I desire that you what? Faint not at my what? For you which is your glory. See, to faint means to lose heart, to become discouraged, to enter into despair. It's when we lose our spiritual initiative on the inside. And what he was saying was, I know you see my tribulation. I know that you know what I'm going through. I don't want that to cause you to faint. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that he wrote it from prison being chained to a Roman soldier. And now notice this, he's praying for them, completely disregarding himself. I don't want you to look at my tribulation and as a result have it cause you to faint in your walk with God. Just because you see me in bonds, chained to a Roman soldier in a Roman prison, don't let that cause you to lose your spiritual initiative. Don't let it cause you to faint. Lose heart, give up. See, too often people are tempted to give up. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be challenges. We're all going to face adversities and circumstances in this life. And those things can cause us to faint, lose heart, give up. And as he said here, I don't want you to faint. I don't want you to lose heart. But the way you're going to be protected from that is to be strong in your spirit. So I am praying that God would give you inner strength that comes from his spirit into your spirit to make you strong to stand up against these opposing forces that are going to come against your life. And you know, you've got to love the beauty of this because he's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about them. What an amazing, amazing thing in his life. Now, the word might. Whenever we face difficulties and challenges, it's important we understand that we cannot conquer these things in our own strength or ability. The word might there is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite and dynamic from. He wants them strengthened with dunamis in their inner man. Strengthened with this dynamite power. Dynamic power. It's like the word dynamo. We get a dynamo. Why? 
so that when they are challenged in life, this power would be in manifestation to blast away all the obstacles that stand between them and victory in their lives. He's getting to the root of the situation. You've got to be strong spiritually. You are going to be challenged from without. You're going to see other people that are like me, that are, who is an ambassador for Christ, but yet as an ambassador, I should be treated with dignity and respect, wouldn't you say? But no, he's in a prison somewhere, chained to another soldier, so he doesn't escape and get away. And he's going through that. He's persecuted and challenged. But he said, don't let that bring you down at all. Some people might be thinking, well, hey, if he's going through all that, where does that leave me? Don't think that way. Don't allow those thoughts to come into your mind. Paul was well able in any circumstance to overcome. If you recall when he was in jail and he wrote the letter to the Philippians, he said, I have learned whatever situation or circumstance I'm in to be independent of the circumstance. I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. It doesn't matter if I'm free or if I'm in bonds. I maintain the same demeanor, the same spiritual attitude of heart. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I have one thing on my mind and that my God will see me through. My God will empower me and enable me to rise up to the top and always overcome. So it doesn't matter. And I want to pass that on to you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you're strong in spirit, you can rise up and overcome and you can be victorious. But it's important you recognize where your strength comes from. Now, in the book of Joshua chapter 1, and I want you to see this from this translation. It's the NLV, New Life Version of the Bible. And I want you to hear what God Almighty is saying to Joshua as he prepares him to take over the leadership of Israel. Remember, under Moses' leadership, they didn't get to the promised land, but he is now responsible to lead them to the promised land. And this is what God says to Joshua over and over again. Let's read it. Be strong and have strength of heart. Catch that. Be strong, Joshua, and have strength of heart. For you will bring the people in to take this land, which I promised to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and have much strength of heart. Be careful to obey all the law which my servant Moses told you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Then all will go well with you everywhere you go. This book of the law must not leave your mouth. Think about it day and night so you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Then all will go well with you. You'll receive many good things. Have I not told you? Be strong and have strength of heart. The third time. For the Lord your God is with you anywhere you go go. Listen to the admonition. Joshua, be strong and have strength of heart. Joshua, be strong and have strength of heart. Joshua, be strong. I've told you and have strength of heart. Yes, you will be challenged along the way. Yes, you will face adversity. Yes, opposition will come and try to distract you and get you away. And sometimes thoughts in your mind will rise up and you will think that you can't succeed or you can't make it. But Joshua, when that happens, stop and remember what I told you. Be strong and have strength of heart. The battle, as you see, is from within. 
The enemy wants to use our thinking to do what? Weaken our spiritual condition. But God wants us to use the word to strengthen our spiritual condition. You call it spiritual training and spiritual conditioning. So we're strong and we have strength of heart. Because out of our belly flow the issues of life. Look at Proverbs 4 and verse 23. He understood a a heart, let's just say that is not strong, a weak heart, it can rot the bones. A merry heart can do good like a medicine. But you see, a heart that's not strong and, and that is weak can rotten the bones, he said. Keep your heart, protect your heart with all diligence, continued steady application, because out of it are the issues or the forces of life. Some people think it's mind over matter. It's not mind over matter. It's spirit over what we face. It's the life of God within the spirit of an individual that's allowed to manifest through that person's life to, to lead them into victory and help them overcome all the situations they encounter. And so it's important that we recognize as we mature in the things of God, then this man on the inside he's referring to must become stronger and stronger all the time. And as it becomes stronger and stronger, then it will help us rise up and overcome and be victorious in our walk. Look in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 now in verse 18. When we started this series, we talked about the different kinds of prayer and how at the end of Paul talking about the Christian armor, here's what he says. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching there too with all perseverance for uh, all saints and supplication for all saints and for me. Notice this. After he says to pray, now he says, and for me. Now remember, he's in prison. He's writing this letter in Rome chained to a Roman soldier and oh by the way guys pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak well you talk about someone taking his own medicine he didn't say well pray that somebody come over here and liberate me and get me out of this prison He said, I know that I've got to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere I go. And because I've been doing it, I find myself in prison for it. And all I want is you to join forces together with me so that I can be sure to have the boldness that I need to proclaim the truth of the word of God out of my mouth with boldness no matter who I face. And imagine... You're talking about standing before kings that will have you killed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. What's he pray for? Not a new camel. Right? Boldness. To speak the word. Oh, hallelujah. Wouldn't that be wonderful for us to rise up and just say, may your spirit rest upon me today and empower me to speak the word of God with boldness and accuracy and power. No matter what situation I encounter in my life today, clothe me with your spirit that your purposes may be fulfilled in me and through my words and through my actions, Father. I boldly say no weapon formed against me will prosper. 
I boldly say I'm the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. See what Paul was saying, I want you people to understand that your need to know the strength that you have that comes from God because if you think you can do it in your own strength or ability you're going to lose but when you realize that it's not your power but his power that you're allowing to manifest in you and through you that's when you rise up in the strength of the living God and he will equip you to get the job done now another thing pride pride is really a a spiritual disease you could say it's destructive to the strength of the human spirit pride says I can do it I'm strong I'm wise I'm resilient I'm capable I'm good enough I'm resourceful enough I can get the job done that's what pride says but I want you to know something If it were not for the power, the ability of Almighty God that he gave you, you could not do a thing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nebuchadnezzar found that out when he said, I'm a God. And all that he did was what he did because of who he is. And when God removed his hand of protection from him, he became like an animal, lost his mind, and lived like an animal for, for all those years of his life. Did he not? And finally came back to his senses, and he realized that, man, without God, who do I think I am? No, what we should be like is this. I know that I can't do it in my own strength or ability, but God's grace is sufficient enough for me. The God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of me. The glory that raised him up lives big in me. I'm giving place to his power, his presence, his might, his miracle working power. And praise God, I'm choosing to allow him to do it in me and through me. So yes, in him, in his sufficiency, I can get the job done. In his sufficiency, I can do all things like Paul said. In his sufficiency, the enemy is no match for me. I can resist the temptation. I can endure the persecution. I can rise up above affliction. I can overcome the obstacles. I can stand against every force of darkness that comes against me. You know why? Because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. So I'm going to call the thing out. I'm going to speak boldly to the mountain and say, get out of my life. Get out of my way. Because the greater one in me is more powerful than you. It's like David before Goliath. I beat the bears. I beat the lions. And the giants are going down. Isn't that what he said? That's my paraphrase of what he said, but that's basically what he said, right? Hallelujah. All right. Then secondly, we want to point out the results of the petition that he prayed. The results of being strengthened within the inner man. What's the results of the prayer? Actually, he's saying it like this. If I feed you a fish dinner, I fed you one meal. If I teach you how to fish... I feed you for the rest of your life. Can you say amen? Amen. So in other words, if I just say, oh Lord, help so and so, and you get helped, okay, you got helped. But he's saying, I'd rather teach you how to call upon the name of the Lord for yourself so you can learn how to walk with him. You can learn how to fight your good fight of faith. You can learn how to be clothed with the armor of Almighty God and be strengthened with this power in your inner man and rise up victorious over whatever it is that you encounter in this life. 
And so what are the results? Well, we're going to find out. Look in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 17, the first part. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I want you strengthened with might in your inner man so that Christ can dwell in your heart by faith. Our heart, you could say, is, is like having a house or a home with many, many, many rooms. Well, if someone comes over to your house, they usually come in through the front door and there's an entryway there. And so they're in your house. But if you said to that individual, make yourself at home, I know that's a wonderful statement to make to somebody, but to be honest with you, for them to make their self, themselves home in your home, probably would be kind of a hard thing for them to do. They don't know where the refrigerator is. They don't know where the bathroom is. They don't know where the living room is. They don't know where the stove is. They don't know where the remote is. <laughs> and they want to watch the Olympics and they have no idea. So you might walk out and there they are scurrying around trying to find out. And then they feel uncomfortable because it's not their stuff. It's somebody else's stuff, right? Right. Do you know that Jesus doesn't want just to be a visitor in our hearts? Mm -mm. He wants to fill every chamber of our hearts and lives. He wants to be able to enter in and just take up occupancy so that he dwells as Paul said, he dwells in us as if I was dwelling in my own home. And he's not a visitor in the entryway. See, if I walk into my own house, I make myself at home. I don't have any concerns whatsoever about getting something to drink from the refrigerator or doing anything in that house at all because I live there. Jesus wants to live in every single one of us he wants to feel welcome because we completely surrendered every chamber of our lives and our hearts to him. And you're saying to him, I want you to fill me up with your fullness. I want you to flood my soul. I want you just to have access every part of my life, every room in my house, the house of my heart. I want your presence. Paul says, I want you strengthened with might by his power in your inner man so that Christ can live in you where he can actually dwell in you where he can take up residency in you and feel so comfortable in you why because he's the one that's controlling your life you're completely surrendered to him secondly he wants us to experience also the endless dimensions of his love look at the uh, pick it up from chapter 3 verse 17 part b that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. To know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Notice, number one, Christ is living in you, dwelling in you. He's not just sitting in a chair somewhere. He's actually occupying every chamber of your heart. You know what? You get something out of your life. There's a void that's there. You get rid of something, there's a void that's there. And as long as that void is still there, you're open prey to the enemy. Jesus himself said, when the evil spirit goes out of a man, he'll go into dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He'll then come back to that house from which he came out. He said, he called it my house. And when I go back, I see it empty, swept, and garnished. You know what then I'm going to do? Find seven more that are worse than I am. I'm going to bring them in and we're going to have a party. 
in my house. So in other words, when we get rid of something that we really know that God maybe doesn't want us to be involved with or engage in, don't just be out there vulnerable to the enemy. Immediately fill that void up with something of God. Hallelujah. Fill that void with the presence of God, the love of God, the power of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God, the love, the joy, the peace of God. And that way when the enemy comes back to try to once again tempt you to fall back into what you came out of, praise God, there is no room for him. The door is shut. Now notice he talks about the endless dimensions of God's love. The breadth of God's love. The length of God's love. The depth of God's love. The height of God's love. He said by understanding this you'll experience God's love in such a way that you'll become stronger in your faith. You'll be strengthened even more and more. Now you've got Christ living in you and now you've got his love living in you and manifesting itself in you. So what is the breath of God's love? Anywhere and everywhere anyone breathes, there's a love of God. The breath of God's love covers and canvases the whole entire universe and world. That is the breath of God's love. Praise God. Hallelujah. So no, that means that includes every single one of us. Do you have breath here tonight? You're covered, praise God. The love of God is all over you here tonight. And then what about the length of God's love? You ready for this? To what length would God go to demonstrate his love for you? The length of God's love is found when he became a man in the incarnation. That's to what length he would go. The Bible says that God introduced his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He left the glory world behind he took off all his mighty power and glory. He robed himself in flesh and he became a man on this earth to let you know God himself loves you. John 16, 27, he said the Father himself loves you. He came as a revelation of God's love. He was love manifested in the flesh. To what length would he go? He became a man. The incarnation. Now how can you say God doesn't love you then? Like so many people think. But then there's the depth of God's love. And oh my goodness. That length would have been enough. But the depth of God's love to what depth? He became your sin. He became the sin of the world. He bore in himself our sins on that tree. So that God made him so that we could be made righteous. He bore the penalty of our sin. He bore the judgment of our sin. And as a result of his becoming sin, even the father had to turn away from him that he cried out, why have you forsaken me? To what depth would he go? He suffered all that you and I should have suffered throughout eternity to show us how much he loves us. You talk about strengthening your heart, your spiritual condition. When you realize how much he loves you that he went to that depth, then you begin to understand it's not based on my performance it's based on the person of God who is love. He came after me. I love him because he first loved me. So I understand now the breadth, it's all encompassing. Uh, God's love covers the world. The length, he became a man for all mankind. The depth, he bore my sin and became the curse on the cross and suffered the penalty of my transgression that I should have suffered throughout eternity. 
And then what is the height of God's love? When God raised him from the dead, praise God, he raised him up and he raised us up together with him and made us sit together with him in high heavenly places. He didn't lift us up to be here paupers upon the earth. He raised us up and says, come on, you're, you're seated with me in the high places of heaven. Praise God. So we're raised up together with him and we share in the kingdom. It's my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so it's important that we understand the enemy's efforts are to try to come and get us to think wrong, to make us think lowly of ourselves, to make us think, you know, our, our self-image is one of someone maybe barely getting by or not good enough or God probably not satisfied with me and pleased me because I made this mistake and I made that mistake. He knows you make mistakes. He knows you got flesh to contend with. He became flesh and dealt with it on the on the cross and he's telling the father as a compassionate high priest I know what they're going through down there father now help them help them hallelujah see we're strengthened with that when we know that we know that we know that we are so loved by God that God is resting in his love Zephaniah three seventeen. he is resting in his love for us he cannot love us anymore there's not one more ounce of love to love us with because he poured himself out completely what more can he do? Can you see that? What more could he possibly do to get it through our heads? I love you. There's no more to give. <laughs> he gave himself to death. No more to give. And that strengthens us. It's good to know that you're loved. Isn't it good to know that you're loved? So whatever you're trying to overcome tonight, you're not doing it in your own strength or ability. You've got this inner strength. Okay, look at the next how powerful this is. Well, you know what? Before we, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Part C. Being filled with God's fullness. Another result. Now let's read this verse because this is one that you have a hard time to wrap your brain around. That you might be filled with a little bit of the fullness of God. This side's awake so far. Oh, wait a minute. What does that say? Paul's praying this prayer so that we would what? Be strengthened with mind, our spirit and inner man. That Christ would dull our hearts by faith. That we'd be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, the past the knowledge. Why? That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Really? Is that possible? That's what he prayed that we would be. Oh my. Oh my. You, you want to know why he's praying this prayer? Because <laughs> if that prayer is answered, you got it made. <laughs> If that prayer is realized in your life and mine, we've got it made. Because if we start walking around filled with all the fullness of God, who's more powerful than God? Who's more dominant than God? Now to be filled with something, to be full of something, means to be dominated by something. So, you know, you can be full of anger. You can be full of rage. And that means you're dominated by it. You can be full of lust. That means you're dominated by it, right? You can be full of resentment, full of unforgiveness, 
it means that these forces are dominating your life. See the thing is this, someone says I realize I make a mistake and all that but I'm human and all that. Okay that's fine but stop saying that. I know you're human but on the inside you've got the fullness of God that you're developing. God doesn't want us to be full of rage. He doesn't want us to be full of anger or any of these other things. He wants us filled with all the fullness of God because when we get filled with all the fullness of God we are dominated by God and when we're dominated by God that means those other things that were part of our lives that we were full of back then, guess what? They're pushed out. It's like if you got a cup of dirty water or a container of dirty water and you start pouring in clean water and keep on pouring it in and keep on pouring it in keep on pouring in and all the dirty water is going out and all the clean water is going in and before long there's nothing but clean water because all the dirty water has been washed out. God is saying by the apostle Paul I want you filled with all the fullness of God. Just keep on drinking from the fountain praise God of water of life and keep on drinking it in and drinking it in and drinking it in and keep on saying anger you've got no power over me greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world rage you've got no power over me for greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world Jesus said if any man thirst let him come to me and drink and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water for this spake he of the Holy Ghost that they which believe on him should receive so drink it in drink it in drink it in drink it in you know, I know we make mistakes along the way, but you know what? When you do, get up and take a bigger drink. Yeah. Hallelujah. Get a bigger glass. Yeah. Get a bigger glass and take a bigger drink. Get out of my life. Get out of my life. Praise God. You have no power over me, for greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And he that is in me created the heavens and the earth, the stars of the sky, the sun to rule by day, the moon to rule by night. Hallelujah. The moon is the old covenant, the lesser light, and the sun is the new covenant, the greater light. Hallelujah. And the light that lights my life is this new and everlasting covenant that tells me God's invested in me. He put himself in me. I've got his glory in me, and I'm going to just fill my cup up till it runs over. Hallelujah. And there's no room for devils. There's no room for demons. There's no room for animosity. And I'm not going to be dominated by fear or jealousy or unbelief or whatever else. No. No. Jesus is occupying every chamber of my heart. He made himself home. He just kicked back, put his shoes up, put his feet up, put a little blanket on and says, I'm, I'm going to stay right here. He likes the atmosphere. And then finally, man, you got your shouting clothes on? You got your shouting clothes on? Here's the culmination of all this. You ready for it? Oh, either fasten your seatbelt or whatever, but I don't know. Let's go. Look at Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Here is the end of it all. He wants us strengthened with might by spirit in the inner man. So Christ can dwell in our hearts by faith. So we all would be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, to be filled with all the fullness of God. And here we are. Now we're filled with all the fullness of God. We just drank in all that good, clean water. We're filled with all the fullness of God. Now... Everybody say now. 
now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. How is he able to do it? According to the power that works in us. Now in the Greek, those words exceeding abundantly above, they actually mean that it's infinitely above and beyond what any human being could possibly measure. It's beyond human calculation. It's beyond human measurement. So that when a person is filled with all the fullness of God, now God is able. Now, it sounds like it's saying that God's not able, or it's talking about his deficiency of power. It's not talking about him being deficient in power. No, he's able to do it, but he can't do it until we get full of power. Because how does it work? When we're full of his power, when we're full of his life, full of his presence, when we have that strength on the inside, now he's able to make good every promise that he's ever made in our lives because he's operating on the inside of us, fulfilling his word, his will for our lives. Now that I'm strengthened with might by his spirit in my inner man. Now that Christ is dwelling in my heart by faith. Now that I'm rooted and grounded in love. Now that I'm filled with all the fullness of God. Now he's able to do for me all that he wants to do and he's so excited about it. See he's working on the inside of me. Now he can love other people through me. Now he can heal other people through me. Now he can bless other people through me. And you know what? He doesn't want us to be selfish with this. It's not so I can be blessed. It's so that I can be a conduit of his blessing and bless other people with my life. That's why he wants to really duplicate his life in us so we can be a blessing to others. You ever notice when Paul was praying that prayer? I'm not concerned about me. I'm concerned about you. But Paul, you're in prison. You're you're chained to a, a, a Roman soldier. You could be dying in the morning. I'm not concerned about me. I can do all things through Christ. I'm concerned about all of you. And my prayer for you is to get full of God. What's the answer to your question? Get full of God. What's the solution to your problem? Get full of God. Get as much God as you possibly can in you and, li- and live on the overflow. Hallelujah. Live on the overflow. I'm telling you, it'll take out of you Remove from you, evict from you anything and everything that's foreign to life. As a matter of fact, there'll be no limits to what God can do in us and through us. Look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. When you and I are filled with the fullness of God and we activate that power within, and that word that works in us actually means to activate the power, to cause it to be efficiently operative and active within us. Wherefore he is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. He's able to save us to the what? Uttermost. Uttermost. So Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And he is our advocate. And as a compassionate high priest, he knows what we've gone through or what we're going through because he went through it. Can you imagine what went through him when he became our sin and he became the curse? Can you imagine every feeling and every emotion, anything and everything that you and I could possibly encounter as a human being upon the planet, he absorbed into his being at one moment of time. He can identify with our hurts, heartaches, pains, anything and everything that we go through, he knows all about it, which makes him a compassionate high priest. 
But now what does he say to us? Allow me to fill you with myself. To overflowing. I want to say that verse again. That you and I might be filled with all the fullness of God. And that pushes out everything else. Selfishness, greed, unforgiveness, anger, rage, animosity, bitterness, jealousy. All those things get pushed out because who's living on the inside? Jesus is. The life of God, the strength of God, the dunamis miracle working power of God is operating in our lives. So how's he able to do exceeding abundantly of all we ask or think? According to the dunamis, miracle, mighty working power of God, that worketh is efficiently operative and active in us. Now unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout ages, world without end. Amen. He concludes his prayer. Man, that prayer is so power-packed. Because you see, it's more than Help me get through this one situation. He feeds us for one moment. But now if you have that prayer answered, we're set for life. Let's all stand together before the Lord. How many of you have that same attitude when you're in prison and you're facing who knows what, torture, and you're thinking about other people? I want to pray. Let me pray for you, brother. You might be having a hard day today, a bad time. I'm going to pray for you. I pray that you be strengthened with the might of God. But here he is himself in prison. Hmm. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so praise God as we humble ourselves before him tonight. We sing the song, I want more of you. Is that your heart's cry? Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.